let's praise the King. Let's come on into the service. You should be out in the lobby. Come on in and join us in the sanctuary. And let's begin to lift up the King. He's a wonderful, mighty, great God that we'll never know the, how, how great He is. We'll never know the fullness of who He is until that wonderful day we're standing before Him. But He's an amazing God. He's an amazing God. If you remember back on the, the last few years of your life or maybe since you've been a Christian, all the things that God's done for you. Sometimes we get wrapped up in the things of today and we forget the things that he's done. If you read through the Bible, through the Old Testament, they say, remember, remember the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham, Isaac. Remember the things that he's done. You know, when we get in the, in the middle of the trials and the middle of the troubles and, and all the hardships, and sometimes we get short-sighted and we can't see the end or we can't see the the, where God, where you know that God is bringing you. All you see is what is right there around you. But thank the Lord that we stay, we serve a God that sees the end before the beginning. And he sees all in between and everything that's going on. He knows every hair that's on your head. He knows the, the intimate details of your life. So let's praise him this morning for the things that he's done and the things that he's going to do. Amen. Let's give him praise.
So whatever it is you came in here with today, you don't have to leave with it. You can leave it at the feet of the cross. So if you believe that and you want to be free and you want to have God's freedom over your life, I want you to sing this and declare it and believe it by faith and tell shame that it has to go. Tell fear that it has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Here we go. Goodbye shame and brokenness. Hello joy and happiness. Goodbye lies and questioning. Jesus did it. Perfect. 
possible. Do you believe it this morning? Anything is possible. Stay right there. Anything is possible. Oh, there's nothing you can't do, Lord. Anything is possible. Oh, you make a way when there is no way. Come a long way. I've seen how you were. There's so much goodness and grace, much more than I deserve. Cause I know who I am. And I can't stay where I'm at. We've come this and I just can't turn back He's not done with me yet He's not done with me yet There's so much more to this story Yeah. 
It doesn't matter what your past is, there's so much more to this story. You're not done with me. It's not done with me.
ground Exalted now And you alone are holy For the one who was And the one who was And is to
we give you praise Hallelujah. in the praise is yours in the praise is yours in the one we bow before bring over us as we lift you Give them praise this morning, and the praise is yours, and the praise is yours. You're the one we bow before, reigning over us as we lift you up. team was singing this song the Lord started to show me a vision in my heart and I saw I saw the inside of a, a chamber and I saw a bride and she and I saw her back and I saw the Holy Spirit and he was resting upon her and he'd move across her arm and her arm become white and, and he moved across her neck and her face and he was he was getting her ready and all of a sudden she exploded with light and I couldn't see her face but I knew it was it was the light of the gospel she was full of light and she had her veil on and then he turns her around and he brings her to this door and he opens the door and on the other side of the door Jesus is standing in expectation and she walks out and he pulls the veil back and all of a sudden they come together and they start dancing and as they're dancing they were going in and out of each other moving together and I feel like the Lord just wants to remind us this all ends in a wedding. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're singing, worthy is the lamb. He died. 
Are you following me? He died so that we might live unto Christ. That we can be one with him. This isn't about our happiness. This isn't about just barely making it. This is about being restored to our original purpose. That Jesus paid the price that he may have his bride back. Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. Lord, you have set into motion something that cannot be stopped. And Jesus, we don't have to wait until that day to look at you. We can look at you right now. I want the eyes of every single person's heart in this room. I want you to turn your eyes to Jesus. The moment is what we make it. Jesus, we look at you. We look to the Lamb of God this morning. We say, Jesus, you are everything that we need. Come on, just look at him for a minute. Just look at him. He's beautiful. He's beautiful. You're beautiful, Jesus. You're the point. There's no other reason for us to live. It's you. It's in you. We live, we move, and we have our being. It's in you, Christ. Lord, I pray that the revelation of the Son of God would come to this house. Lord, open the eyes of our heart to your beauty. Come on, just another minute. Look at him. Tell him. Tell him, Jesus, I'm looking at you. I'm looking at you, Lord. It's so important that we learn to look at him. We have to look in his eyes. We have to look at him. Before we have any requests that we make known to heaven. Because he already knows. That's the thing. He knows everything we need. He knows everything we're going through. He knows our tomorrows. He sees the pain that other people don't see. And he just wants us to lock eyes with him. We look at you, Lord. We love you. Come on, tell him. I love you, Jesus. Come on, tell him. Tell him with your own mouth. I love you, Lord. 
We're not ashamed of you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. Come on, he likes to hear that. Somebody needs to get a revelation of that. He likes to hear it. He likes to hear it. He longs to hear his people, his bride, his children. He longs to hear us, to hear our hearts, affections towards him. Come on, how many times? When's the last time you got caught up daydreaming about his goodness instead of your problems? We love you, Lord. We love you, Jesus. I feel led of the Lord this morning that we pray for Israel, but Elena also felt the Lord instruct us to pray for you. So can you come right here? We're going to have some people lay hands on you. She's been dealing with some throat stuff, and uh, I just want to be obedient to it. I felt the Lord lead us to do that. So we're going to pray for her. And God's going to heal her. How many believe that? Can I get some people to come help me pray? Some of the prayer team. Pastor Tracy, can you? Yeah, yeah. Can you guys just stretch your hands towards Elena? In the name of Jesus, we bind every sickness in her body. We command you by the blood of Jesus, you have to leave. I thank you, God, for fire on her right now. Affirmity, leave her body in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we command it to leave her body. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Jesus. 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 Jesus, we plead the blood right now. Plead the blood right now. Jesus. Jesus. Fire of God, touch your body. Fire of God, touch your body. <laughs> Jesus.
We declare that done in Jesus' name. Amen. And we thank you, God, that you were the healer. Father, we just want to lift up Israel this morning. God, we want to pray for Jerusalem. Lord, you said you would bless those who bless them and you would curse those who curse them. God, we bless them right now. Father, we pray that you would bring more alliances around them. God, we pray, Lord, that provision would come to their doorstep. God, we pray for protection. God, angelic. God, we pray for supernatural intervention. God, Lord, we pray that you would dispatch armies of angels, God, to cover the land. Father, we pray that there would be a resurrection of faith in the land. God, we pray for Christianity to explode in that place. We pray that Jesus would be glorified. Lord, we pray you heal their land. Heal their land, Jesus. Heal the land. Heal the land. Heal the land, Lord. That the fire of God touch that nation. We declare fire of God touch that nation in Jesus' name. And we thank you for that, Lord. We love you. We bless you. We bless your name. Thank you, great Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome to Life Church. This morning, if you guys want to shake somebody's hand real quick, give somebody a hug. Give somebody a high five. Uh, man, we love the fellowship. Right now, we've got a special surprise for you guys. Pastor Tracy is coming up, and she's got a couple of things she wants to share with you guys about her students. Good morning, everyone. So um, as you may or may not know, yesterday we celebrated the Kids of Louisiana with Kids Fine Arts Festival. If you've never heard of Fine Arts, it's basically a program where we teach kids that every single one of them have been gifted by God with something that they can use for the kingdom of God. We help them discover those gifts, and through um, training, we develop those gifts, and then we deploy them into ministry. Yes, even kids, we deploy them into ministry, show them that they have a part in the kingdom of God. And the whole idea is that we want kids to learn while they're young that they are gifted, that they have a part, and that they're not too young, and that God has called them, and he wants to use them. And so, Josh, if you'll throw that first slide up there for me. Yesterday, we had a group of kids that participated in Kids Fine Arts, and they did so well that I thought, you know what, we need to just take a moment, and we need to celebrate them. So I'm just going to call them up, and if you could just show them some love. We had group categories, and we had um, soloists. Now, I don't know about you, but it's really hard sometimes to take a stage in front of a room full of people, and we had kids as young as six and seven years old standing on a stage preaching, singing, dancing. We had stand-up comedians. We had choirs. There were art projects. There's so many different things. And so I'm just so proud of them that they would even do that. And then not only that, they did so well. And the whole uh, focus of our festival is we talked about how our gifts were given to us so that we could bring God glory, not to make our name great. And that's what they did yesterday. They totally brought God glory. And so we just want to celebrate them. So you guys, as I call you, if you'll just come and line up across the front. First, up. Uh, we're going to go to that next slide there. We have Ms. Grace Britton in her photography digital category. 
She won Superior and Award of Merit. Come on up, Grace. Come on up right here. This is her photography piece. Now, Grace, we're going to give a little extra love to because let me tell you, yesterday she was the winner of her category, and through a mix-up of everything that happened, she never had her name called at the festival. But right now, I'm going to award her her award, and we're going to show her some love, right? So you can just stand right here if you don't mind. So she won Award of Merit for that picture right there. It was an amazing photograph. She did a great job. Then if you'll go to the next one, she also had a painting entry. And in her painting entry, she also won a superior, which is the highest level rating. So congratulations, Grace. Then we had Isaiah McCoy also entered a 2D painting in the junior category, and he won an excellent. Come on up, Isaiah. Yeah. He was super proud of that painting, as you can see. Good job. Good job. All right. Then Selena Vasquez did a worship dance solo, and she earned superior. Beautiful, beautiful anointed dance because... God gave us the gift of dance to bring him worship. The world wants to twist it, but it's made to bring God worship, and she did that yesterday. It was beautiful. Um, Faith Crater entered the photography mobile category and won an excellent, great job, Faith. There's her picture there. It was beautiful. Then we'll move on to our group categories. So we had a group category called the Worship Warriors. They were our flag group, and they not only won Superior, but Award of Merit, which means the winner. They were the winner. So if we can have our flag group come stand here. So some of you ladies were in flags as well. Y'all come on over here so we can see who all was in flags. Just move. They're going to do that a bunch because they competed a bunch. They'll just jump groups, and y'all just show them love, right? These are our flaggers, and they did an amazing job. Then, y'all, I stood there beaming during this one. I was like, what in the world? These girls are gifted. They're our future, future worship leaders. We had the Voices of Praise who did a vocal ensemble, and they earned a superior and second place in the state. They were amazing. That's these girls right here. They did such a great job, such a great job. Um, and I will say also the flag group and our vocal ensemble were coached by Elena Guillory. And that's what it's about. That's, that's, you know, an older student now, but a student coaching younger. And then these kids, they're going to make more disciples. And that's what we teach in kids ministry. We're making disciples who make disciples. And that's what happens. It's amazing. So anyway, and then we had the KFL worship team. There was worship with motions. They were, they got earned a superior and an award of merit. So if I could have the worship team right over here, they were the winner winners. They were amazing. Also coached by Elena. Great job. So amazing. And then last but not least, we had, and how about we just rotate to this side because we're running out of room. We had the crew puppetry group that won Superior and Award of Merit. Give it up for them. These kids worked hard, y'all. It's been months of practices. Parents, great job getting your kids to the practices. But it's so cool because I'll just tell a little, a little secret about some of our older students last night. I got home, and I had message from, messages from teenagers 
that were inspired by the kids because they went home thinking about fine arts and they were like, ooh, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And that's what it's about. We want kids to discover the gifts that God has placed inside of them. So you guys were an inspiration to other people. So let's give it up for them one more time. And last but not least, if I could just real quickly have our lit crew come down real quick. I just want to recognize them. Come quick, 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 right here. So these guys led the kids' service at Fine Arts yesterday. So there was an actual kids' service that went on, and um, the lit crew is the group that led that. And I'm so super proud of them because um, they have a lot of young people that look up to them, and they, they set a great example. And so just give it up for them, please. Great job, everybody. Great job. I think uh, Justin is coming now for an announcement. Thank you for celebrating our kids. Stay tuned. Student Fine Arts starts in the spring. Oh, oh, hey, speaking of, speaking of how we all have gifts that are inside of us, you all have gifts inside of you as well, right? Right after service today, we are having a meeting for people who are interested in being a part of Christmas. What does that mean? We need people who serve meals. We need people who know how to decorate. We need people who know how to creatively make things. There's lots of different areas. But again, it goes back to what I talked about with the kids. As an adult, we all have a part that we can play as well. And so if you're just interested in finding out what that involves and maybe interested in helping out, right after church in the prayer room, we'll have a really quick meeting to talk about those things. Thank you. Or if you just need to carry something, you can, you can help too. <laughs> so we do that, a lot of that on there. So give it a hand, give a hand for all the kids that are leaving. They're heading back upstairs to do their ministry. It's awesome. I get to see them do a lot of different things as I travel with the Lit Crew and I travel with, with all the kids and stuff like that. As my wife is a children's pastor, so I get to see them uh, go from that age to now we're actually going to a wedding of one that's now been aged out for years and stuff like that. So uh, one, it makes us feel really old uh, because <laughs> they were really young and little. and they ain't even, the, the people getting married aren't even the people that they weren't even the first ones. So, uh, so it does make us feel a little bit old, but I get to go see that happen. Uh, but as you know, Pastor Bob is not here, but it is Pastor's Appreciation Month. And while he's not here, we're going to take the advantage, advantage of that and say, after service, there's going to be the ushers by the door. And if you would like to donate to, to something, we're going to give, the, give to the pastor, give to Pastor Bob and Sister Amanda as a, as a gift to them for appreciating them. They've been over here now for 19 years. And uh, we're involved, in, me and Tracy, and a lot of us are involved in a lot of stuff all over the state and in different parts of the country. And that's very rare. It's extremely rare to see a pastor stay at one place for 19 years. It's, it's an amazing thing, and we've got to see it. And, uh, of course, he's my father-in-law. Uh, we've been here, me and Tracy have been here for 17 years, 17, almost 18 years. But uh, to see him come up and all the things and all the changes and all the stuff and just stick to it, he knows that God has a plan and a purpose for this church. So after service, at the end, if you're walking out, the, past, the ushers are going to be at the back doors, and they'll be uh, with, a, with a basket to offer. You know, we don't usually pass the basket. We, we have offering buckets in the back. We have offering boxes in the back. So if you want to do it that way, if you, you're leaving and the ushers are not there and you want to write a check, write it out. First assembly, just put a note on, I mean, uh, 
uh, Life Church uh, and put a note on it on there what it's for so that the ushers and, and the people counting knows where it goes to and 100% of it goes to Pastor Bob and system and uh, for our appreciation of what they do for the for the church you know and, and a lot of people maybe even his age are, are starting to retire trying to get out and he's still pushing for God's to move for God to move in this place he's not giving up we sang this song he's not done with me yet he's he's not done He's not done with this church. He's not done with this area. He's not done with the situation. He's not done with you. There's still more. And I'm thankful to have a pastor that's willing to push through all of those things. Uh, last Wednesday, uh, I encourage you to come. Uh, last Wednesday, we had uh, Sam preaching, filling the spot. Today, we have Pastor Tiger is going to be coming up and preaching and bringing the word of God. As Pastor, like I said, is out on a well-due vacation uh, right now. He'll be back, and I'll be preaching uh, Wednesday night, this coming Wednesday night. So we look forward to seeing you there. But as, as we, let's give a hand to Tiger as he comes up and brings the word of God to us. Amen. Thank you, Justin. All right, everybody say, I'm ready to get rebuked. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> I'm just playing with you guys. Well, what a beautiful group of People, I love this church so much. You guys are so special to me. Uh, man, some people don't, they really don't understand what it, what it means to have fellowship with the body of Christ. And, you know, I can honestly say in this place, through several different people, though I don't have to get a, I don't get to have a personal relationship, a very, very personal relationship with every single person in here. Majority of you people I've been doing life with for the better part of five years. And let me say, we need the body of Christ. Can you agree to that? I mean, we need the body of Christ. Uh, Josh, can you put up that first slide? We are, I prayed for this church. I asked the Lord what he wanted me to share, and he brought me. So I, I, I understand it could be said one of two ways. It's either Haggai or Haggai. Uh, most theologians say Haggai, so I'm going to roll with that so I can sound more proper. So we're going to the book of Haggai. It's not a very big book. It actually has two chapters. Uh, I guess you would consider this. They have major prophets in Old Testament, minor prophets. You would consider this a book of the minor prophets, though the message uh, that lies there in of it is definitely not a minor message. Okay, so before I start reading where we're at, I just wanted to get the scripture up there kind of want to give you a little brief background of, of what's going on. So uh, most people are, you're, you're familiar with the story of the Israelites. They were taken into slavery in Egypt because they were becoming too numerous. And so God sends a man named what? Moses, that's right. Participation. His name is Moses. God sends Moses and he leads them out of their bondage, and so the nation of Israel is on this journey to where? The promised land, right? God has it in his heart. He's going to bring them to the promised land. It's full of promises, but it's also full of conditions. God's not just this, this God that's like, hey, I'm going to bring you out of this uh, bondage that you're in, and I'm going to bring you to this beautiful place, and you just go and do your thing. No, God brought them out as his chosen people, and he had conditions for them. He said, I'm going to bring you to this place. But in, Deut in Deuteronomy, he basically tells them, he says, just obey me. Don't forsake 
the the prop don't forsake the the statues that I have given you I'm basically requiring you guys to be faithful to me and so if you read through the the Old Testament you read through Chronicles you you read through Kings you can see there's this um, there's this cycle that the people of Israel go through. It's prophets, it's rebellion, it's, it's they get, they get uh, rebuked by the Lord and they just continue in this cycle. And it seems as if, if you look at it, it seems as if the only time that they really wanted anything to do with God is when they needed his provision or his protection. That's kind of, that, that was the cycle that they went through. And, you know, it finally comes to a head when Jeremiah the prophet comes on the scene and he tells him, he says, look, basically, and I'm paraphrasing, this is it. This is what's going to happen. You guys are about to go into captivity uh, for 70 years. And, of course, they didn't receive Jeremiah's words either. They were so actually rebellious even to him as a prophet that he he had determined in his heart he said I'm not talking to these people anymore they they don't listen they're stubborn but we know as the scripture tells us he couldn't help but to share what God had put on his heart he said it was as if it was a fire shut up in his bones and so the prophecy comes true they go into exile they get they get taken captive by uh Babylon and the 70 years is fulfilled but then God sends uh a, a king named Cyrus at the end of the 70 year period and he burdened Cyrus with with God's uh, his house being rebuilt because everything was destroyed when Babylon came and took the the Israelite children away and so he gives Cyrus this burden to to send the the children of Israel back so some numbered 50,000 I think was the number that this is how many people were sent back and this is where we start when we get to Haggai the people are coming back to Jerusalem and the purpose and the goal because of God's order God's instructions even through a pagan king that he brings in so he can restore his house. He has them send these Israelites back. They get there, and this is where we pick up. So I'm going to start in verse 3. It says, Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet, saying this, Is it for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple to lie in, and, and his temple to lie in ruins? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, and you bring in little. You eat, but you do not have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with the drink. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm, and he who earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Let's stop right there for a second, Josh. So he's telling the people, so this is, this is the scene. This is what happens. So they get brought back out of captivity. They go back into Jerusalem. Now you've got to consider, they were there 70 years. So most likely the, the people that have come back, majority of them have to be a new generation that was born. So they're getting the stories. They were born into captivity. They're like, man, what's going on? And they're hearing all the stories of their God and how their parents and their forefathers were rebellious and all the things, all the prophets that came, all the warnings they had, the freedom that they used to have. And now they're in this land where they're enslaved. And so they have to have these dreams in their heart. People are saying, hey, listen, there's a prophetic word that has come forth at the end of the 70 years. God said he's going to release y'all. Y'all get to go back. So there's all this anticipation that had to be building up over this series of time, right? So this new generation, they're, they're get, they get sent. They get ready. They go. They know they're going back to rebuild the house of the Lord. That's all the Lord said. We need to go back and rebuild my house. And they get there, and a period of time goes by. And what do they do? 
They start to mind to their own needs, if I can say it that way. They start to rebuild their houses. They start to, uh, you know, they're, they're doing their own thing. They come back out of captivity. They come home. It's kind of symbolic as if when you're, when you're in the world and then you get born again and you become a Christian, it's like they were back home with the Lord. And the Lord says, okay, start to build my house. And they go to building their houses. It actually says a scripture before three, the word of the Lord came to the prophet and the prophet said, these people have said it is not time right now to start building God's house. And God never said that. The sole purpose for him sending them back was so that they can go back to doing and building what he had intended in his heart to build. I want you to consider this. They come on the scene and start building their own house. But if you remember what King David said, you see, Moses... In the wilderness, he built the tabernacle of the Lord, and then David comes on the scene, and he, they have this tabernacle, and he's, he's looking at the tabernacle of the Lord, and he's looking at his house, and David says this, he's, and I'm going to paraphrase again, but he basically says, why do I live in this massive palace? Why am I living in a house built with cedar? But the tabernacle of the Lord, where the presence of the Lord dwells in a tent behind curtains. So David saw it. No wonder it says that David was a man after God's own heart. Or David was a man after God's heart, if you want to see it that way. That's the way I see it when I read that. But these Israelites go back into Jerusalem, and the first thing they do is they start building their stuff, and they start, and so God said, wait a minute, what are y'all doing? He sends the prophet, and this is what he says. He says, you know, you're doing all these things. You're working. You clothe yourselves. You're never warm. You earn this money, but it's as if you're putting your money inside a bag that has holes because there's never enough. You drink, but you're never filled. Why do you think this is? So God starts to speak to me. He says, listen, you have all the things in your heart backwards. I sent you here for my purposes, not yours. So all your plans, nothing's going to succeed. Because you say you're my people, but the way you're living, the way your life looks, it looks like you belong to your very self. You see, in the, in the Old Testament, you've got, especially in Haggai, if you look at it, God was concerned about two people. Actually, through the whole thing, he was concerned about his people, but then he was concerned about his house. But if you look at the translation, when we come into the New Testament, if you look at Acts chapter 2, who remembers what happened? Who comes? Holy Spirit, right? The two became one. When the Spirit of God came to live inside man, the man of God becomes the house of God. So what am I saying? What do these two things have to do with each other? Is this applicable to our lives today? Absolutely. You see, the Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There's a, rough, there's a rough scripture there in Haggai where God says, hey, by the way, I'm the one doing this. I'm the reason that none of your stuff is, is, is working, for lack of better terms. I'm the reason that all your plans are coming to nothing. I'm the one stopping them. Does that mean God is mean? Didn't they say they were his people? Didn't they say, we're going to come back and we're going to build your house? And then they come back and all they see is their plans that God 
the God of the Bible, the God who split the Red Sea, the God who did all these miracles, who rescued them time and time again, that he says, I'm going to bring you out of captivity. So he does it again. And once they get there, when they get free, when God has kept his word, they go back to their own agendas again. I wish I can say, honestly, that the, the children of Israel were the only people that do this. But the reality is the church is doing this to Jesus right now. We do this very thing to the Lord right now. If you assess your heart right now, I'd said earlier that oftentimes the children of Israel would be found guilty of only coming to God genuinely in their heart when they needed protection or provision. I have nothing to hide. I can say boldly that I have done that. I have done that. I have done that. I've, and, 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 and there's almost been rebukes where the Lord's like, why does it take these extreme measures in your life for you to get so desperate to hear me. You see, the Bible says this. It says, it says, this is eternal life. To know God. So that tells me, without knowing him, there's no eternal life. Therefore, if that's true, it is, it is of the utmost importance in the believer's life that we, we don't just know of him, we know him. I heard somebody say this. Uh, man, I wish I could remember how it went. It was basically, yeah, it was somebody who wasn't, they, they, they had an idea about God and they, they thought they were safe. They said, if I repent, I'll go to heaven and all that stuff. And somebody asked them, they said, if you walk up to, let's, let's say, the biggest mansion in your city and go knock on the door and ask the people to let you in, you think they're going to let you in? No. He said, well, what if you own the mansion and some stranger comes and knocks on the door and says, hey, I'm coming in. What would you tell him? He said, absolutely not. He said, and why do you think God has to let you in if you don't know him instead of just knowing of him by association? Most people won't even let you in if you just know of him, if they've just heard of you. That's not enough. I don't want to rabbit trail too much. But it says this is eternal life that we know God. <clears throat> so God takes these people and he says, hey, you're worried about all these other things when the reality is my plans and my purposes are what you're supposed to set your heart on and your eyes on. That you would rebuild my house. In Matthew 6, 33, anybody know that scripture? Miss Brandy got it. Seek ye first. You see, why am I reading that scripture? Because some of the things that get us off track in our life, you see, I, I'm, I'm not naive. I understand that, that life is hard and the economy that we're living in right now, uh, especially over the last two years, has been one of the hardest that I've ever seen. I'm only 39 years old and I know there have been harder times that have come across our nation, but it's hard. Like groceries are expensive. Fuel goes up and down. Uh, everything is just skyrocketed. We're paying for all those stimulus checks we got a couple of years ago, if you don't know it. That's, that's one of the things that's going on. But I'm not naive. Like, I understand that these pressures push on people. But Matthew 6, it says, if you seek first the what? 
If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things would be added unto you. What's he addressing? He said, he said, don't worry about what you'll wear. Don't worry about what you'll eat. He said, these are the things that heathens worry about. These are the things that they concern themselves with. He said, don't do that, but instead seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, or you can translate that as right standing, that you're made right before. Seek first the kingdom and your right standing before God and all these other things that you need. He said he'll add them to you. He necessarily didn't say everything you want, but everything you need. As King David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his seed begging for bread. I prayed that to myself the other morning because it's a good reminder that God, he's, he's, he's not a God that would uh, abandon us when we're seeking us, when we're seeking him with our whole heart. First thing is we must decide for or against Christ. Either you're with him or you're against him. That's what he says. You're either for me or you're against me. You're either gather with me or you scatter against me. So first thing you have to decide, do you believe in the name of Jesus? Do you believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because there's no way that any of this other stuff is going to make sense to you, nor is it applicable to you if you're not a born-again believer. But Jesus came to the earth as a man who lived a perfect life. He paid a ransom with his life. He died a death that we were supposed to die. He was raised again on the third day. And it was all so that we can be restored to the Father. That's how a believer in Jesus Christ gets filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you become a son or a daughter of the King. If you ever hear somebody say, we're all God's children, I heard that yesterday. I heard it, I guess this was some kind of Christian, my, my kids came in the living room, and they were like, hey, we want to play this song for you, and we want to sing it, and we love that. Christian, I love when they do that, and the girls came in, and, and it, was, it was a good song. Everything was, it was singing about God and stuff, and, but then it says, if you have breath in your lungs, and, and something else, then you're a child of God. And I, and I was, Sam was with me, matter of fact, and I said, that's a lie. Because it's a lie. The truth is, the Bible says to those who believe, they have the what? The right to become children of God. So until you're a child of God, you have no right to be indwelled by the Spirit of God. But once you are, you become his temple. You become the place that he wants to live. And I ain't talking about, listen to what I'm saying. I'm not talking about a little pop-up camper that pops up on Sundays and maybe Wednesdays. Holy Ghost don't need to be crowded like that. Like he wants a palace inside of us. You see, some of us may not have very much money in this world outside, but it says that we're supposed to be filled with all the riches that are in Christ Jesus. When he lives inside of us, when God looks at us, I'm not saying he doesn't see the outside. He sees our financial situations. He sees all the stuff. He sees our living. But when he looks at us, what he counts is what kind of kingdom does he have on the inside of us? 
What kind of temple is dwelling on the inside? What, when he looks at us, does he see a little shack that you barely give him any room to live or work? Does he see a little double wide? Or does he see his temple? Does he see a place that he has access to every room? So he's looking for that. He's looking for people whose lives are about his, his business. That means not just Sunday morning church. That doesn't, listen, if you can hold your tongue and not let that cuss word slip for two, two and a half hours while you're in service, then you can hold it for your whole life. If you can wait to smoke that cigarette, then you can ask God for the grace to deliver you of it. Y'all get what I'm saying? There's power in the Holy Spirit to conform us to the image of Christ. But some of us just settle for looking our best on Sundays and Wednesdays or when we're around certain people that we, we, we talk a certain way and we act a certain way, but whenever we get away, when we're in private or we're at work or we're somewhere else or even in our car by ourselves, there's something else manifests. And Jesus is calling us to be a people who build his temple inside of us, give him a place to dwell, give him a place to live, give him a place to reside. Some people put off what God asked them to do for days and months and years. I heard a man of God say this once. He said, we better not mistake God's patience for his permission when it has to deal with stuff that he's trying to clean up out of our life. So what kind of kingdom, what kind of, what kind of, what kind of temple are you giving him? Are you building his temple on the earth? Are you building his temple inside of you? Is your life everything? I've said this to some friends of mine that my life, everything in my life has to revolve around Jesus. I can't make Jesus revolve around my life. And we're called to be people who that is what's manifest everywhere we go, that we are people who are about our father's business. That's what Jesus said. You know, I have a friend that just got a new job. And this is how you know they're kingdom people. I said, hey, man. And I was, I was genuinely asking about the job. I said, hey, how's that job going? How's that new job going? We were on the phone. And he said, bro, it's great. There's a guy that had a tumor, and I got to pray for him and preach the gospel. That's why the job was going good to him. It wasn't about his money. It wasn't about his hours. It's that he had an encounter where he got to share the hope that's inside of him, kingdom-minded. And that's what we're called to be. Like, everything is supposed to be for him, by him, and through him, and given to him. But that's not what they were doing in Haggai. They were, they were building their own houses. They were, they were building their own kingdoms, if you will. Translates to us, Christians, who we come to church on Sundays, we come to Wednesdays, we serve in a couple of ministries, but our heart's desires, our heart's goals never shift from what God wants. We say, no, God, I'm, I'm, I show up to church. Like, that means I'm right. I, I serve in this ministry. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But you never ask God if it was his will that you open that business. Much less ask him if it was his will that you quit that job. 
You never asked God if it was his will that you married that man or that woman. Come on, Christians are living this way and putting God's, they're making decisions and asking God to bless them, if that makes sense. And that's not what he wants us to do. But then they make these decisions, ask God to bless it, it doesn't work out. And then they go and they cry and they say, Lord, why is all this stuff happening to me? And I see the Holy Spirit saying, you did it to yourself. Like you never sought my advice on this. You never sought my wisdom. You never, you were building your kingdom and you wanted me to put my stamp of approval on it. But God's calling us to a higher standard of living. Can I, can I tell you something? You can trust him. Do y'all know that? That Jesus is trustworthy? That he knows what's best for you? He knows what's best for Tiger Morgan and his wife and his children? He knows what's best. But do we take the time? Are we, are we, I mean, listen. A man can make plans, but it's God who establishes his steps. And I'm not saying that you can't, because I've done this before. I, I've, I didn't hear anything one way, yes or no. And so I say, God, I'm going to go for it. But if it's not your will, pull back the reins, shut the door, speak to me. And he's always been faithful to do it. It's the heart. It's the heart's desire to do God's will for your life above all else. Even if it means you don't get your way. And at first it'll start out that way. But as you conform to God's desires for your life, all of a sudden you want more what he wants for you because he'll give you a burden for it or he'll give you direction for it. But whose kingdom are you building? Whose house are you building? Are you building your house? And are you taking inventory of your house? Picture this. All of us live in some kind of home, right? How often do you clean your home, cut your grass? What happens if there's... Uh, Ants, I think that's the most common thing these days, getting in houses. I know we got a, I don't know where does ants come from. Ants, what do you do? You try to get rid of them, you clean it up. Your bathroom gets dirty, you try to clean it up. Like you take care of your house, right? How often as believers are we taking inventory of our life? If I can be honest with you, we should be taking inventory every single day. Like when we wake up, when our eyes open up, it's not, what do I have to do today? It's, Lord, what do you have for me to do today? Lord, what's your plan? What's your will for my life? Who am I going to cross paths with? God, every door that's not supposed to be for me to walk through, God, I pray that you'd speak to me today. Lord, am I supposed to go to that college? Instead of just rambunctiously making decisions and making our plans, Knowing, have an ability to understand that God has a very specific design for your life, for your children's lives, for your husband's lives, for your wives' lives, for your grandchildren's lives. Very specific. He's not, he's not, uh, he's not, not big enough. He's big enough. And he's very intentional and he's very intricately woven into the details of our lives. And if we would just ask him, 
Not ask them in passing, hey, God, what do you think about this? And just move on just to say you asked them. No, really seeking God. So how do we get there without making this complicated? I believe it's very easy. Because the reality is we pray and sometimes we don't hear and sometimes it's hard to hear the Holy Spirit and sometimes you don't know exactly what decision to make. And like, I get all that. I understand that. But I think it's very practical in this sense. I think that the reality of it is if we are serious about God's plans for our life, God's will for our life, that we can do some very simple things that would ensure that God can help us to keep our hearts pure, our motives right, and keep us going in the right direction. And Jesus told us in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. How do you seek first the kingdom? You can't tell me you're seeking God's kingdom first if you don't seek it daily. Because if you go to a job every day, you're seeking provision. If you go to your significant other every day to, to spend time with them, you're, you're seeking intimacy with them. If you go and hang out with friends, you're seeking relationship. But if you don't go to him, you can't tell me, there's, listen, there's no excuse. You can't say, God, I missed your will. I didn't know what it was. You didn't speak to me clearly. Because all he's going to say is, you never asked me. You never went to the place of prayer. You didn't even try. You picked up your Bible for five minutes. You felt frustrated. You tried to pray for two and a half. You felt discouraged. So you went and watched television. And then a week went by, and you decided you'd try again, and you stayed for even less amount of time. How can you say you want to know me and know my will for your life when you won't even become disciplined enough to just sit with me and read a book? Adrian Rogers used to say this. He said there's two that were supposed to be living sacrifices, and in the Old Testament, there'd be these flesh hooks that they would use to hold the sacrifice on the altar. He said, and they're symbolic in our life today as these two things, discipline and devotion that we would become disciplined in our devotion. Because the reality is we find time for everything else. Matter of fact, some things we make time for. But majority of the time for majority of people and most of Christians even, the first thing that gets sacrificed is time with the Lord. And I'm not speaking to y'all as somebody that doesn't understand this, I get it. I know how much the enemy fights that. But if we would devote ourselves simply to the word of God, to the presence of God, and to the people of God, if we would do those three things consistently, connect ourselves to the body of Christ consistently, that we would involve ourselves in things that are going on, home groups and stuff like that, intentional about being part of the body of Christ. If we would spend time every single day in his word, show God that we mean business about his, his plans for our life, his purposes for our life. God, I mean business. And then we obey him whenever he pricks us about something. That he says obedience is better than sacrifice, right? 
that you trust his word. You see, this word gets inside of you when you spend time with him, and then you come. There's something that you're struggling with, and then he reminds you that God places his desires in you to obey him, but he also gives you the power to do what pleases him. So it's like, wait a minute. Oh, yeah. Lord, I need your power. And then you depend on him, and then you, you learn to let this thing get interwoven into your spirit, and you, you learn to walk with him and be led by him. And you learn to discern his voice and what's not. When Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice, and a stranger's voice, they won't follow. And I say this oftentimes because it's something the Lord spoke to me. Jesus never said a stranger's voice they will not hear. He just said they won't follow it. And so how can we go about building God's, his, his church, his, his kingdom, his, his temple in our life, in our heart? It's simple devotion to him. That you show him every single day that God, I'm here, I'm not perfect, but your blood is, and I want your will for my life. And it is up to God to reveal it to you. And if we do our part, if we spend time with him, listen, I'm taking all the pressure off. All you've got to do is spend time with him, genuinely want his will for your life, and stay committed to the Holy Spirit and be willing to let him work in your heart. And God's will and his plan for your life will unfold. You don't have to worry. Jesus said, don't worry about tomorrow. But he's looking for a bride that is, is, is grounded and has set their face like flint. I am going after Christ. Because like I said at the beginning of the service, the Lord showed me that, that vision. It's, this thing all ends in a wedding. It's all going to come to a head. And we're going to be standing with him. So my, this is my, my challenge to you guys today. If it's, if it's been hard, if it's been a struggle, if you've been, if you've been dealing with some stuff in your life, if you're like, I don't know if I'm in God's will, or more than that, if you know that you're not in God's will and you want to be in his will, it's as simple as this. That you say, Lord, I repent of doing my own thing and being a stubborn person. That's what they called him in the old days, said it was stubborn and stiff-necked. And I don't want to be that. Jesus, I want your will for my life. I want your will for my children's lives. I want to see my family members get saved. So it's as simple as repenting. Justin, I'm closing. It's as simple as repenting. It's saying, God, here's all my mess. I ask you to forgive me. And then making a solid commitment. It's not as hard as the enemy tries to trick us into believing. Because the more you do it, you know, I heard something. It says, if you do something 20 days consistently, there's a strong possibility it becomes a habit in your life. So you start to develop these habits that every day, whether it be the morning time or the night time or whenever your schedule allows it, that you give yourself to him in some way, shape, or form. That you listen to the word of God. Listen, it's, it's time that the church would not be illiterate anymore. And there are a lot. That's why there's so many defeated Christians that are walking around. This is the truth, guys. That's why there's so many defeated Christians 
walking around because they have not learned to eat this. That Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. I'm the water. If you drink of me, you will never be thirsty again. And they're, 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 they have not figured out that it's so simple that almost a child can do it. That you devote yourself to him through his word. You devote yourself to find a way. If you don't know how to pray, you feel awkward, you, you feel like, should I say this, should I not say this? Just go sit in a room, turn a worship song on that you like, and think about him. That's acceptable to the Lord. He just wants you to be with him. He wants you to come. And God will teach you when it's time to pray and intercede. And, and he'll put something on your heart. Or he'll put somebody's name in your, in your mind. And all that stuff. God, he's big enough to do what he needs to accomplish in our life. Don't let all those, those, those complicated things and thoughts prevent you from going to the place that Jesus has called us to be in. Which is his presence. And when you learn to be in his presence... You start to learn to build his kingdom from the inside and it manifests out in our life. No one will see the kingdom of God except for those who do the will of my father. That's what he said. How important is it? How important was it to God that the, that the, the Israelites would build his house? How important is it to God that you and I build his kingdom inside of us and around us. That this takes preeminence over everything. I'll tell you this, your, your eternity is dependent on it. We're called to be eternally minded and kingdom minded. Not carnal minded with the stamp of Christian on us. Doesn't matter if we have the t-shirt or the bumper sticker. Or even our radio on with the Christian music, is our life manifesting the kingdom of heaven and the earth? Are our plans more important than his? Last thing I'm going to say, because it needs to be said, check your finances. Are you generous to the kingdom of heaven? Because God's going to hold us accountable for it. Are you finding places in the kingdom of God to sow, even if you don't have much extra, you're unjustified if you're spending extra on extra, but you're not sowing anything into the kingdom of heaven. And I don't care. This needs to be said for more pulpits. You'll sure eat out three or four times a week, but you don't have $15, $20 to send to a missionary or somebody who's doing it who's sent but doesn't have the finances they need and that's a whole other message but just consider that that's part of building his kingdom it's part of it I want you guys to be bold I'm going to ask y'all if anything we talked about today if you've been guilty or you're, you're in a place right now where there's a part of your life that's not fully surrendered, like you're building your own kingdom in some way, shape, or form, I want you to be bold and just lift your hand up. Come on. We're in church. If you can't do this here, 
We're just going to repent. Can you guys that lift your hand, can y'all come to the front? We're going to do it together because I'm my hands up too. I'm going to pray us out of here because you guys are officially dismissed, but I'm going to ask Justin to play a song for everybody who wants to come right here and just, we're going to genuinely repent before the Lord and we're going to ask him to redirect us. And I believe his grace and his spirit's here to help us. The rest of you guys, you can stay, you can worship. If you feel like you maybe should come up and you hadn't, the altar's open, but we bless you in Jesus' name. Thank you, guys. We love y'all so much. Father, I pray for everybody in this church. I pray for everybody, God, everybody that's here at the altar. Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would just, Lord, give us the grace to build your kingdom above all else. Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come again, let the glory I'm open, I'm open. Come again, let the glory end. I'm open, Lord, I'm open. Oh, I'm open. Leaves me wanting more. Here's our praise. You can dwell with it. Come again. Let the glory end. I'm open. I'm open. Come again. Let the glory end, I'm open, yeah. oh, oh, come again, I'll wait for you to come. you, Lord, it always leaves me wanting more. Here's our praise, you can dwell with Come again, let the glory end. I'm open, I'm open. Come again, 
Let the glory end. I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. not a building you want to feel it's my heart this empty space is what you wanted all along it's not a building you want to feel it's my heart this empty space is what you wanted all along it's not a building you want to feel it's my home, this empty space that you wanted all along. It's not a building you want to feel. It's my home, this empty space is what you wanted all along. Let your glory end. I'm open. Come again. Let the glory end. I'm open. Come again. Let the glory and I'm open I'm open Come again Let the glory end I'm open I'm open